0: We're in the book of Job, <laughs> Job 28, so if you want to get there real quick, I'll start, and I'm reading from the NASB, and I'm going to read, this is really broken up into four sections, there's 23, 20, 23 verses, and in those, are 28 verses, and in those 28 verses, it kind of is broken up into four different subtitles, or whatever, or subtitles. Uh, just kind of broken down into four different parts. So it says, this is, um, and, the, and the title for tonight's sermon is Divinely Appointed Wisdom. In verse 1 of chapter 28 of Job, Surely there is a mine for silver, and a place where gold is refined. Iron is taken from the earth, and copper is Is smelted from ore. Verse 3 Man puts an end to darkness and searches every recess, for ore is the darkness and the shadow of death. 4. He breaks open a shaft away from people in places forgotten by feet. They hang far from men, away from men. They swing to and fro. As for the earth, from it comes bread. But underneath it is turned up as by fire. Its stones are the source of sapphires, and it contains gold dust. Verse 7, that path no bird knows, nor has the falcon's eye seen it. The proud lions have not trodden it, nor has the fierce lion passed over it. Nine, he puts his hand on the flint. He overturns the mountains at the roots, he cuts out channels in the rocks, and his eye sees every precious thing. He dams up the streams from trickling. What is hidden he brings forth to light. In Verse 12. But where can wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? So that first section is really speaking of Is anybody familiar with mining, M-I-N-I-N-G? Like, if you'll notice, I don't know if you've ever done any research on mining, but it's very uh, interesting. It is amazing to me what man will do to find a hidden treasure. 50% of the gold in the world is under one city, Johannesburg, South Africa. They used to say that you could walk along the streets and find gold. A hundred years ago. Almost all the ore has been extracted and will run out in the next few years in Johannesburg in that mine. And here's an interesting thing about that mind. This is my first story. Before I start that story, I want to ask you a couple of questions, thought-provoking questions, I hope, to get you in the right frame of mind so that we can go forward. When you came here tonight, what were you expecting? Paul Hicks. You got it. My prayer is this, that you came with anticipation, awe, and aspiration to serve the Most High God. See, God created you for so much more than you have experienced up until this point. You just may not be aware of it yet. The same God who made it possible to mine deeper than anyone could ever imagine. The same God who put soar in the falcon's flight. The same God who put the roar in the mouth of a lion. The same God who causes lightning to light up the night sky. The same God who causes thunder to reverberate the landscape. That, brothers and sisters, this is the same God that will never, ever fail you. The same God, nor will he ever, ever leave you. Nor forsake you. Now, I don't know about you, but that's personal. He created all these beautiful things that we're going to find out about mining in just a minute for our eyes to feast upon. Sometimes we get so distracted by the beautiness of His creation that we worship the creation rather than the creator heard pastors say that a bunch. And it's so true. The Kola, K-O-L-A, super deep borehole is the result of a scientific drilling project of the Soviet Union. That hole reaches 40,000 feet into the earth. They said that the the phosphor or the, the gases that comes out of the liquid that comes out from the, uh, that, that depth is crazy. It's just, it's like something that you can't describe. The gold mine I was telling you about under Johannesburg is about two and a half miles deep into the earth. I don't know if you've ever been in a mine or not. But if you get down pretty deep, it starts getting toasty. If you go really deep where this mine is, where this gold mine is, it is 150 degrees. Think about working in those conditions. Think about what they are doing to get there. Now they've started another tunnel to another shaft. They're using that at the bottom down there, and they're blasting away to get to another vein that's over three miles deep in the earth. Man will go after treasures at all costs and at the cost of life. Will he go after wisdom like that? We're going to learn in a minute about how important Job 28 is because it is going to give you the best advice you could ever get. The one treasure that you can go after that will never ever leave you nor forsake you is God's wisdom. To fear God is the start of wisdom. Guys, that's the treasure I want to go after. That's the treasure I want to be so consumed with that His love just comes out of me and goes forth. And spreads the good news of Jesus Christ. We talked about the depths and where we'll go to get stuff. He talked about in the first 11 verses, we'll get sapphires, we'll get get gold, we'll get ore, we'll get all these things. And we'll spend unbelievable dollars to get the refined product. We'll destroy God's creation to get whatever we feel like needs to feed our flesh. I'm not saying it's, it's bad to, to have gold. I have gold watches. I have gold chains. I have, gold, I have a gold ring. But when we go to the expense that we kill His creation, how, how, how important is that? Do we, do we look at what, we're, what the result is going to be? When they say that down in that mine shaft where all that goal is, they have earthquake after earthquake. And the more they dig, the more the earthquakes. You think God sometimes tries to say, stop hurting my creation? Stop hurting what I've made for your beauty? There's a... There's a uh, So we talk about depths. I want to just talk about heights for a minute. We talked about a falcon. In verse, uh, let's see, it's in verse, uh, I think, 7. talks about the falcon. It says, that that path no bird knows, nor has the falcon's eye ever uh, seen it. There's a bird I wanted to tell you about. It's called the, um, oh, by the way, the temperature that, that will they will get, uh, sustain in the uh, one mine shaft gets above 300 degrees. Now, guys, water boils at 212. You know, we try to create things that are unsustainable. There's a bird, you guys, called the Rupels griffin. Have you ever heard of that? Anybody ever heard of the Rupels griffin? It's spelled R-U-P-P-E-L-L apostrophe S. Griffin is spelled G-R-I-F-F-O-N. It's a vulture. This bird has been documented as reaching heights of over 36,000 feet. That That is as high as a commercial airline flies. And this is a bird that has specifically built body to endure the lack of oxygen that no human could go without support. Is God not an amazing creator in the fact that He creates a bird that can fly at heights? He can soar among the heavens, basically, without having to have an oxygen tank on? This amazing creature... The reason they know one of the ways they know this bird exists is a is a jumbo jet picked one up in its engine. At that height, the bird didn't survive. But there's things that are a part of his creation that we cannot fathom. We can't. We can't understand. We can't understand. I was looking at the crust of, or the. The radius of the, uh, of the earth, listen to this one just for a second. The radius of the earth is from the outside crust to the very center. So it's like one half of the width of the earth. is over f- almost 4,000 miles. Now think about that. Think about this for a minute. And yet we're trying to create this special feature where we get these special products in the first two and a half miles. We just kind of hit the surface, haven't we? What, what's inside the earth that, that the God of the universe said, did you know that the core of the earth is hotter than the surface of the sun? What? He makes everything just precise, that it works. The tilt of the earth, the way the, the, the climate. Mm, sorry, I spit. I think nobody's sitting right there. It is amazing to me how he created the earth at the tilt that it's at so we have the perfect season. If we were out of, Joe, where are you at? Not, well, Joe Cannon, but I was thinking about Joe Kelly. Where's the professor tonight? Joe taught us in class to quit spitting. He taught us to think about if the earth was over, was just tilted, just one, one millionth of a degree, life would be not sustainable. I don't know about you guys, but that rocks my boat to, to, to say that God created it that specific for one of, now the earth has about seven billion people on it, but in the course of time, think about it this way, guys. Time is eventually going to be no more. Time is of the essence. Time that He created a specific creature like you to rule the earth, to take care of His creation, to take care of His animals, to take care of His his people, to take care and love them like, like He loves you, to just transform Himself through you into the brother so that, life means something. Job has been told by his friends that life is all his problem. He is the reason that God has given him boils, has tur- killed his family, has because Job's messed up. Job's got some sin he's not dealt with. Eh. When you have friends like that, like I said last week, Do you need very many enemies? You know, you think about it a minute. Job is going, trying to get his friends to give him comfort. He's finally had enough. I'm kind of glad that Pastor asked me to do 27 and 28 because we're kind of getting a little bit going uphill again. We're not going down this... In in my opinion, Job was very patient with his friends. And he's had enough of their their bad talking. They're They're dissing God, really, because they're looking at this man who has had hell on earth to live, and they're blaming him because he's got some kind of sin in his life. He's got something that he hasn't dealt with, that he hasn't gone to God and just said, his wife, what did she say? Just curse God and die. Guys, we have, there's probably, I don't know how many people in here, but when you get the opportunity the next time, two weeks ago, no, I'll tell you the Tuesday story first. So on Tuesday, I, get, I have a Bible study at 6 o'clock. And I have to go to Corky's, and it's only 15. Can't talk very many people into coming that early, but we do it. And there's about five or six guys of us that, that re- meet regularly. Well, as I'm going, I'm, I get up in the mornings, and I have to take care of my little bulldog and my little Australian shepherd and two kitty cats and get their things all done, get them out to the bathroom, get them back in, feed them. And then I head out to the Bible study. Well, I'm running out the door and I get in my truck and I get out on the go out toward the 15 freeway and where Wirick is. And as I'm going up the ramp, I notice that there's a light on and there's a lady in in a her truck has stopped in the middle of the road and she's out on the side of the road and she's just looking like you ever seen that look where just distraught and so. I didn't know what to do. And I said, Lord, I can't stop. I'm, I'm late for Bible study. I can't. You ever been there? And Lord said, yeah, you are. You're going to pull over right up here, and you're going to go back and see if you can help her. I didn't know what to do. I pulled over. I'll go back, and I said, ma'am, can I help you? I said, what's wrong? She goes, and then I knew that she didn't understand hardly anything I was saying. She just started doing this. And I was like, whoa, what's what's wrong with that truck? I don't know if I want to get it. So I said, "Can, can I have your keys? She didn't know me from Adam. But people are passing on this side of her. They're passing on this side of her. Nobody will stop and help this lady in the middle of the road. I'm like, wow, are we that cold? Are we that are we that many people that have to go to Bible study? And so I she gives me her keys, and I get in her truck, and I just said, Lord, it's in your hands. I turned the key, and it started just like that. I pulled up the truck, and, and here I'm trying to get over to the side of the road, and nobody will let me get over. They're, just keep, they're going around both sides. Finally, I just said, if they hit me, they hit me, so I just went on over, got off the side of the road. I came back, I brought her keys to her, and I handed them to her. And have you ever noticed when someone has been distraught and all of a sudden they have this, l- this newness of life back in them? This big, huge smile was on her face. And as I was walking toward her, I noticed a man walking up the road. It was her husband. Her name was Maria. His name was Humberto. And as I went to them, I said, Guys, I don't know what was wrong, but I said, I think it's okay. I said, can I pray for you? And in that divine moment, they both said yes. And they didn't understand much. But I know this. God knew. And I talked to them, and I, and I spoke to them, and I prayed for them. And it was as if I, I gave them life. And how many people are looking for someone just to give them a hand? To get them not living in frustration, and sometimes it just takes a little extra effort to make you late for your Bible study. By the way, I wasn't late for my Bible study, but we convince ourselves that we can't stop because we'll be late. Two weeks ago on 9-11, I guess it's more than two weeks ago. (laughs) Time goes by quick when you're really old, you know. This is another divine appointment. At work, they specifically tell me, don't say anything about your faith. Don't say anything about your beliefs. Well, they got a problem with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a, there's, a, there's an amazing opportunity if you will allow God to introduce you to a spot where you can share your faith regularly. Now watch me get fired tomorrow. So, so okay. So I get on. I work from home. I'm talking on the phone, and as I talk on the phone, I, I usually am the one calling out to work with folks on their benefits. So I I get to my desk and I notice the phone ringing. So I answer it because I get incoming calls as well as the outbound calls. I answer the call. This is what the lady said. Oh, by the way, this is a this is a quote by Greg Laurie. God is looking for, not for qualified people. He's looking for people that say, send me, Lord. I got on the phone, and so I answered the phone, and I said, hello. And she said, this is Susan McGuire. And she informed me that her sister had just died. And she said, you wrote life insurance on her. And I don't know what to do. And there was this overwhelming compassion that came over me, and I said, can we, before we talk about business, can we just pray about this so we'll know what to do? Because I don't know what to do either, so, um, Ms. McGuire. I said, what happened? she said she passed away unexpectedly. And... Um, I said, um, I said, there's something about this moment. I said, but if you would, could I pray for you? And she just immediately just, there was, a, there was a sense of, it was as if that same tension, I could see it through the phone, it was gone. She said, this man cares. This man is willing to stop what he's doing and pray about our situation so the best result will come out. And I prayed with her, and as as if God just said to me, Paul, it doesn't matter who else you talk to today, you made her day, and you made it available for the death of her sister, who she was extremely close, close to, bearable this moment. Sometimes we don't have all the answers, guys. Sometimes we just have to be a a little sniglet of their day to maybe help them where they don't want to blow their brains out. This lady was in dire. She was hurting. And I was able to, I tell you that for two reasons. If we get too big a hurry, we miss the opportunities of a lifetime. I just talked about it a while ago. We don't have long in this life. Oldest person in here probably is in their 80s. The youngest person in here, not too far behind. Oh, yeah, we got, uh, yeah, at the very back there, he's really young. He's probably 15, 16. What I'm saying is, there's not a big difference in that, in that range, right? You know, before you know it, you'll be the one that's 61 years old yourself, see? And then you'll be 80, and then you'll be well, whatever. As we read on now in Scripture, if you'll turn with me to verse 12, I'll read it again because it kind of ties along with what I was just talking about. Where can wisdom be found in verse 12? And where is the place of understanding? Uh, Man does not know its value, nor is it found in the land of the living. 14, the deep says, it is not in me. And the sea says, it is not for me. It cannot be purchased for gold, nor can silver be weighed for its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of Ophrah, in precious onyx or sapphire. Neither gold nor crystal can equal it, nor can it be exchanged for jewelry of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral of quartz or quartz, for the price of wisdom is above rubies. Evidently, rubies were an important. Stone, The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. Verses 12 through 19 talk about wisdom's value and what it is beyond purchase. You can't purchase the characteristics of God. You can go be told that all you have to do is send your check and we'll pray your family up and it'll all be good. You've heard of those kind of places. The sad thing is they take advantage of people, good, good, godly people they take advantage of. You can't purchase what God wants to give you. He wants to give you the love of Jesus Christ so you can share it with everybody. He wants you to be able to stop in the midst of your day when you think your schedule is more important than his, and do his schedule instead of your schedule. As a hymn to a wisdom, this chapter can be broken into the four sections. The first one was human skill and mining technology, wisdom's value beyond purchase, and then in 20 through 27, he says God's knowledge of wisdom. I'm going to go ahead and read that next section. And then the last one is the kicker that you want to take home with you. You want, to, you want to think on it and you want to just let it just cherish right here. Just let it permeate right here and take it with you everywhere you go. Because nobody can take verse 28 away from you. Number 20. From where then does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the air. Destruction and death say, we have heard a report about it with our ears. God understand its way and he knows its place. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees under the whole heavens to establish a weight for the wind and apportion the waters by measure. When he made a law for the rain and a path for the thunderbolt, then he saw wisdom and declared it. He prepared it. Indeed, he searched it out. Stopping at 27 for a moment. Verses 1 and 2, we talked about exploring. We talked about gold, silver, iron, flint, sapphires. What precious things are investing? Or Let me ask you this. What are you investing in that's precious? What, what things that are you asking uh and and what you're investing in and then i want i want you to ask yourself even a more tough question is that investment worth it how far will we explore i'm talking about the human race that mayan gold mine in johannesburg south africa is about ready to be done with how people have sucked all the iron or all the gold ore out of that mine. And man is so inquisitive, so selfish in some ways, they'll find ways, technology. See, God gives technology, but then sometimes we abuse that technology, don't we? We use it to the point of our selfish desires. If you give me something and I don't have to work for it, I become selfish because I want more of it. I've been there, guys. I've done it. It's not a good place. Someone can give you something and it's a gift, right? But when you start depending on that gift over and over again, it can be a real bad spiraling down effect. We need to make sure that we take everything with Thanksgiving. If My dad told me one thing one time, and it was some of the best advice I ever got. He said, "If someone wants to give you something, you better take it, and you better appreciate it." Now that second part is the most important part. Appreciate what someone thinks and that you're worth enough that they want you to have something. I've, I carry around. Uh, a uh, old pocket watch that my my dad had my dad didn't wear carry a pocket watch we owned a service station and if you can see this little pocket watch it's called a small gentleman's pocket watch it was created about a hundred years ago and one day my dad we owned a service station a man dropped by the station he didn't have any money my dad helped everybody out but he said I'll give you my watch if you'll hold it, if you'll give me a tank of gas. This was back in the 1960s or maybe 50s. I was born in 59, so it had to be probably, I think I was probably alive when this happened. This man left his watch with my dad. He never returned. On the back of it, it says Peter Jones. I don't ever have the opportunity to meet. This is more precious to me than any jewel I could ever have, because it was something my dad had. You ever think about sometimes we place value in something when it has some meaning to us? Somebody can give you a million dollars, and if you really don't understand the importance of why they gave you the million dollars and what you're gonna do with it, you probably won't have the million very long. You know they say most people who win the lottery, they have more financial problems than people. More than anybody else, because they go from literally having nothing to having all kinds of issues. People coming at them wanting money, knowing how to manage money. You know, wealth is okay if it's within reason, right? I, I share the story too uh, when I went when I was first in my early twenties. I was in a small town, and, was, and I was an insurance agent, and I made more money than anybody else in town beside the banker. I mean, it, it was just, it was just I, I, I made a lot of money as a young man, and I didn't use it right. And it led to a divorce. It led to basically having to start all over again. Sometimes you've got to hit rock bottom before God can use you. And sometimes that's the best place to be because when you're on top, you don't need him. But when you hit rock bottom, you, go, you cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, if you get me out of this one, I promise I'll, I'll, I'll do what you ask me to do. I'll do anything, Lord, because I don't like being in, in hell. Anybody else feel that way? So the watch is kind of a it, and David, uh, you would uh, really like this watch because it says Studebaker on it. Wow. Yeah, and David has a Studebaker, by the way. And and the reason it was Studebaker, this watch company is no longer existent. It burned to the ground. But this watch company, as I was reading a little bit of stats on it, it actually uh, was named, the. this watch was named after the car. And it was like, you could buy this watch for a dollar down and make payments on it, because the watch company would refuse to create wristwatches. They thought they could go through the storm and continue to sell uh, pocket watches, and they went out of business. And this watch—if I don't watch—David will try to steal it, but. It's it's pretty cool. I've got a I've got a coin. I've got a 1850 uh, one cent piece. Has everybody ever seen a one cent piece? Okay, if you notice, that's a one pen, That's one, That's a penny. It's about the size of a quarter. It was created in 1850. Another thing, my dad. See, you know, when you had a service station, people would come through. Who knows? Can you imagine having a whole bunch of those in your pocket? Man, they say that it costs more now to make a penny than it's worth. Can you imagine? This is solid copper. Anyway, just a couple of little trinkets that are cool to remember the people who made something special in your life. As we go forward here in verse 28, it says, And I want us to read this one together, if you're able. So when I say, and I'm in the NASB, but it doesn't matter what version you have. It might sound like, here you go. So if you go, I'll go one, two, three, and we'll read it together. One, two, three. And to man, he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. Now, I don't know about you guys, but that should give you great hope. That should give you an excitement to serve the living God. The creator of the universe says that wisdom is something I can only give. He can only give. Paul can't give it. Carol can't give it. David can't give it. Pastor Michael can't give it. We get wisdom somewhat worldly from our, you know, kind of uh, going through <laughs> our snafus, right? We, we, we learn from our example, right? But to have true wisdom, the, the awe, the aspiration of Jesus, the, the, the thought that he has transformed your life is amazing, guys. He is, he is so excited he's going to be a Dan Varney and give you a kick and to get along to tell you that God loves you. Dan Varney is my favorite man in this church because he stood up to me one day and he said, "I don't think you're real, Paul. I don't think you're real." And I man it cut to me to the core. I said, "What does he see that I, I need to straighten up?" That's called a brother that loves you so much. He wanted me to be real. And in fact, he told me sometime later, he came up to me, he goes, I miss <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> I, I, I misjudged you, Paul. That was the best words that I could ever hear. Because it reminded me that sometimes it's not about getting excited, it is, but it is having that excitement, and Dan would say, in control. See, sometimes we have to back off from our antics or our approach so that people can see that we're real. Job had to defend his way. So that his friends could see that he didn't have any sin in his life. He didn't he wasn't he wasn't messed up. He was messed up probably trying to deal with all the things, the antics that were going on. What treasure are you seeking tonight? Is your foundation stable or is it a little bit shaky? you rate your reverence to the one who holds the key to your eternity? As you ponder question number three, do you truly believe that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom? Do you truly believe that? Do you believe that He has something so much bigger for you than you ever could imagine? Do you you know that He wants to restore families? Do you know that He wants to restore loved ones that are struggling? Do you know that he wants to help us as a church to stay together as a family? Do you know that he wants us to, to look past people's faults and not be so judgmental? Here's my wife's input on tonight's message, and this is the best one. As uh, Shane comes forward, he's probably coming back up here. Would you all turn to James 3, 13 through 18? And this is your hope. This is, your, this is where you can knock it out of the park. Because James loves you. He loves you and doesn't even know you. He was a few years ago, wasn't he? But the words he said here... Woo! So, 13 through 18. This is the NIV version. I also copied the message. Um, But, let me read this in the NIV. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. 17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all, what does it say? Pure. Then, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Brothers and sisters, please take that to heart. Take that to heart that that Scripture can be your Scripture. You can hang your your doormat on it. You can hang everything about who you are in knowing that He's talking about the wisdom there for you. In the message, it says this. Real wisdom... God's wisdom begins with a holy life that is characterized by getting along with others. I like the way they put that. It is gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings, not hot one day and cold the next, not two-faced. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results only if you do the hard work by getting along with each other treating each other with dignity and honor. It all boils down to the choices that you and I have to make. Let me encourage you to consider His wisdom and ask Him for it. In Jesus' name, and all of God's children said, Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, I just come before you. I say thank you that I was able to be here tonight, that, these, that your children were here tonight. And that I pray that they go away from this church tonight feeling blessed, feeling uh, renewed. Lord, I pray that nobody feels beat up. Lord, we want all to come to a saving grace to know you personally and to know that no matter what goes on in life, you have the final answer. You have the solution no matter what we might be going through. I love you, Lord, and I just say thank you for your children the church here at Living Truth, all of your church, I pray that you would just continue to encourage them to build them up and help them to go forth from this place and encourage somebody else and bring them along next time, Lord. And we're going to fill this place up for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.